0: Welcome everyone, you are listening to Digital Sites. I am your host, sausan Kadura. So, what happens when data science and visual design meet? And how can the mix be used to promote social justice and equality? That's what we will be talking about with my guest today, Ahmad Barkley. Ahmed is an architect and an environmental designer. Presently he is based in Beirut. He's joining me on the phone. Ahmed is also does also work with an initiative called Visualizing Impact and Visualizing Palestine, which is one of the main projects, I believe, of Visualizing Impact. So uh, first of all, thank you, Ahmed, for joining me today.
1: No problem, it's a a pleasure.
0: So uh, I asked at the beginning what we get when mixing data with visual design. And many might answer things like, and this is the terms maybe our listeners have, uh, you know, heard before, information design we have things like data visualization and infographics. And we know infographics has been very popular online lately. People like to share them on social media. So all these terms indicate a sort of connection between data and information, which is not necessarily the same thing, and design, which is most of the time is digital and visual. So maybe if we can start by clarifying these terms for people, what do what does information design mean? Is it the same as data visualization and infographics, or is there differences?
1: Um, okay, I mean, there's, I guess we could say that, um, I mean, there's, there's not like a single specified term for each of these topics, of course. Um, and they all kind of overlap. So I would say information design, it's quite a, a broad discipline, let's say, um, and it's basically it's about communicating uh, information visually for a particular audience. Um, and really, that can take so many different forms. Um, it can be infographics, um, it can be uh, wayfinding, for example, signage and things like this is a form of information design. It can even be, you know, interactive things like apps. You could think of broadly within within the field of information design. Although there are obviously, you know, there are subfields. Um, uh, and an- another one is really print design. A lot of uh, print design, you could, you could think of it as a form of information design. Um, and it's really, you know, about clearly, efficiently, accurately uh, presenting information for a particular audience. And in relation to, to the other disciplines you mentioned, so uh, data visualization, I mean, I guess that's quite specific quite specific. uh, But you can think of it as a kind of subfield of information design. So uh, data visualization, obviously being in in like the most common form, you could think of charts as a form of data visualization. But really, any visual display of quantitative information could be understood as a form of data visualization, basically. Mm. Like also, I mean, I could talk about infographics,
0: yeah. So what? So yeah. What is infographics? So how can we really define infographics? They're shared a lot, but what is the elements? I guess that that explains what an infographic is.
1: So there's, like I said, there's an overlap between these things. So you could, I, I guess, you could think of, uh, of of some data visualizations as a form of infographic. Um, but really, I mean, infographic is short for information graphic. So in a way, it's any any graphic that displays information in, in a literal sense. Um, but typically, the, the kind of infographics we see, the kind of combination of um, a visual kind of story, often along with, with uh, forms of data or charts or facts and figures, um, I think those are the most common kinds of infographics we see. But you could also think of things like, uh, like an airplane safety card that you could think of as a form of infographic um so it's really when when um information is displayed in a in a visual or graphic way so there's a there's obviously a big overlap with with you know when we talk talk about information design infographics is a big kind of subfield or a kind of output of 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 uh, the broader field of information design mm-hmm.
0: so like i mentioned at the beginning you work with visualizing palestine which is a, a project of visualizing impact and this is kind of the why I wanted I wanted you kind of to join me to kind of talk about information design because this is what you guys do. Can you talk about what you guys? do? I guess okay, let's start by visualizing impact. So, what is that initiative? Mm-hmm. What is the goal and the mandate? And from that, take us to visualizing Palestine. And what is, what do you do within that project in particular?
1: Okay, I mean, so so visualizing impact. Uh, I mean, we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to communicate. On pressing social issues um, using uh, visual storytelling through through you know data driven stories basically um, and you know visualizing Palestine was the first project and, and still the major project of visualizing impact and really the the logic of of you know using data and infographics to to communicate on the issue of Palestine it came from a number of things and in, interrelated things. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, my co-founders, uh, Ramzi Jaber and Jumana El-Jabri tend to tell this story better. But the logic uh, is that, you know, there's so much data on, on Palestine that's collected. It's one of the most kind of reported on parts of the world, really, like regions of the world. But somehow, you know, there's there's a lot of other information that, that that's coming out, counter information that makes things very confusing for people. That makes things seem very complicated. but in reality that there's a lot of you know good, reliable organizations that are producing data that talk about you know the the situation facing Palestinians, the reality of the relationship between uh, Israel and uh, the Palestinians. So the idea of the project was to use the the kind of emerging medium, let's say, of infographics and data visualization. Um mean that's not to say that they were they were new um when we started the project eight years ago, but they were going through a uh uh, what would we say, a kind of emergence as a, as a medium online, through social media, through blogs, through whatever, that, that so infographics and data viz were really becoming like a popular medium for, for communication. And I think, you know, Ramsey and Jumana, they saw, saw this opportunity to to use these and, and the data that was available on Palestine to try to, um, you know, correct the narrative or to provide, you know, accurate, reliable information in a way that was accessible to people.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned storytelling and story, and that's, you know, when I was looking at the website and your process, story seems to be a very important element to include, which was interesting to me because when we talk about data visualization, infographics, people talk about information and design. It's uh, They don't talk about stories. So can you talk to us more about that particular aspect? What do you guys mean to by saying that you want to include storytelling or tell stories through these infographics.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the story is a, is definitely a really important part of what we do. Um I I think the 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 key thing is that that each uh project or visual that we work on, we're trying to do a number of things is to make it, you know, to make sure there's good data, to make sure that, you know, there's a purpose, that, that there's uh, you know, a reason for telling the story that there's we're clear about who we're trying to tell the story to in terms of an audience, and that can be quite broad or it can be quite narrow. And then there's this issue of just you know finding ways to make that compelling. So this the story uh, is a is kind of a way of thinking about okay, what is the the thing that's going to make this click and make this interesting to people beyond you know those who necessarily would be interested to read about the topic regardless. So I could probably, I could try to give some examples of that Yeah, because it, it varies actually quite a lot between projects. So, I mean, I know early on one project we did was about, uh, it was a bus map to show um, how Israeli settlements are connected so kind of in a mundane, everyday way through a bus network to to Israel proper, to where, whereas we kind of, you know, think maybe in the in the popular imagination in the West that, you know, there's the West bank and there's Israel and that there's these kind of settlements, which are kind of disconnected maybe from Israel, you know, Israel proper. Um, but in reality, you know, they, they have the perfect ease to travel to like Tel Aviv or whatever, whereas Palestinians are prevented from traveling. Um, and specifically the, the graphic was one version of the graphic was called across the wall. And it was pointing out how even the settlements on the other side of the wall, on the Palestinian side of the wall, are still very easily connected. You know, there may be checkpoints and whatever on the way, but Palestinians, they can't travel. Israelis can basically travel to the same, almost the same places to, to where the settlements are next to whichever Palestinian communities, basically with, with ease and in a very kind of mundane, everyday way. And this was the, the kind of story of that was, you know, number one, this kind of across the wall and it's saying, look, you know, Israeli settlement bus routes was the subtitle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the idea that, this idea of everyday crossing the wall and secondly the visual kind of story of it which is that it's a transit map it's very recognizable it's a kind of everyday way that people use to kind of navigate cities and navigate urban kind of greater urban areas so this was for us like both a visual and a kind of narrative story there are many other examples but that was one that that came into my mind
0: yeah like people if uh, i really encourage people to go see the website visualizingpalestine.com is that the website dot .org. And it's very interesting because the infographics are very diverse. The type of visual you choose to um, to convey specific information are very diverse. You have very illustrative type of infographics and visuals. Other might include photos. Um, you might have some that are very based on more abstract um, shapes like um uh, divest from justice which shows all the university or colleges if they participated in the divestment movement in three different causes which is south uh, africa uh, israel and the fossil fuels and so that was very sort of abstract shapes but others are very illustrative how do you guys decide i guess um, what visual to use for a specific story or specific information and specific infographic who decide what type of visual you want? Are they the designers, or are the, is it a team kind of decision? Mm. And what is the criteria to use that instead of this?
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a very good question, like I guess it goes to the heart of us trying to figure out a process over the last kind of eight years or so that we've been we've been working together. Um, and the team the team varies, but there is a team, and that's an important part of it. So, I mean, usually we have, you know let's say broadly someone who's a researcher on the project or a researcher storyteller on the project um who works in you know data and narrative and will have a designer on the project um who kind of works visually there's always a crossover in, in 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 this and and there might be other people involved in that team as well um and always like as much as possible you know if we have a more junior graphic designer working on a project we'll have like a more senior one who's can kind of help guide them through that process. In terms of deciding, you know, what is the, the kind of visual form we'll use? You know, every now and then, there are kind of clear ideas based on the data, which might be that it, that it's obviously, you know, needs to be mapped geographically in some way. Um, there might be other cues. Um, I'm trying to think of what other ones, timelines and things like this, that, that kind of start to create some kind of visual form or imply some kind of visual form. But really, the you know the graphic designer usually they'll be working uh, to come up with more than one initial idea and and to see kind of what are the multiple possible ways to visualize this uh data or to to tell this this story visually so there's there's always a kind of a back and forth in the process there's the iterations in the process and to be honest Um, you know there are some projects where it just clicks and like you know this is this really makes sense this this thing uh, really is the right way to show this and other times when we're 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 a little less sure um, but we think it's good enough or we think it's it's powerful or that um, sometimes there might be multiple ways and sometimes we actually release more than one visual that has similar information um, and we kind of see how that can reach different audiences um and that sometimes would be for example something that would work well on you know mobile you know instagram something like this and other ones that might work better on larger screens or prints or blogs so that so it can be that depending who the the, the recipient is and de- depending what format they're receiving that in you know different visuals actually might be more effective in, in those different contexts
0: your initiative is using infographics to really reflect uh, the stories of an oppressed people really so there's a lot of there's there's stories like you say and it made me think about how challenging is it to kind of represent the humans behind this data because we are talking about data and information and infographics that represent really a reality that people are suffering there's an injustice you have, uh, I just want to give an example. You have an infographic called, I think, Gaza's Gaza's Economic Collapse, which is, shows yep. the economy of Gaza before and after the blockade. So the blockade started in 2007. And so really mm-hmm. at the base of it is really in simple bar charts. So you have um, on the Y, you have the truckloads, I believe, and on the X um, axis, you have the years and i'm just yep. explaining just for our listeners to get an idea just to get an idea because we talk talking about visual things on radio so so you guys chose to compare three different industries and each industry is it has its own vertical bar how much truck loads before 2007 and after and yep. the if you chose to do it in a simple bar chart just the difference between these numbers will show the kind of devastating um, effect of the blockade because the truckloads of this industry will go from 1800 to 40. but you guys yeah. still chose uh, you chose to do it in a very illustrative way that I thought was interesting because you didn't have only mm. bars you represented bars in a, in a 3D perspective and each bar kind of represented its own industries. so for example furniture yeah. has a wooden effect. Um, uh, agriculture, has a more grass, it looks like grass, and then on top of each bar, this is before 2007 so when this industry was still striving on top of each bar you have a human illustrator, like a workers illustrator working, so representing their own industry, yep. and then after 2007 you have these vertical rectangles these bars are very small so the these industries are almost unexistent and now they look yep. visually like these kind of destroyed landscape in the dark with mm-hmm. vers- like silhouettes around them like ghosts and so i'm giving that example because i thought that was a good example of how you can take something that could be represented very simply and very cold i guess or dry and through mm-hmm. illustration you kind of brought in the human factor behind these numbers. So now you feel more the devastation that is behind these numbers. So from that, I guess I want to ask you, how challenging is it for you guys to really show the humans behind these numbers, especially that your uh, goal is really to talk about these injustices?
1: I mean, I think it's a a good example in the sense that, that, I mean, number one, um, I guess a a lot of, infographics in a way you can imagine like that they could be boiled down to something like a bar chart, but, but, you know, you're intentionally taking a move to kind of capture people's attention or the, like this issue of, you know, how do you humanize uh, a number? And in this case, definitely, if you're purely looking at, you know, how do you efficiently communicate data? That's, that wouldn't be the way to do it. But if it's about saying, what do these numbers mean? I think, you know, finding these kind of, visual cues that you can use kind of really helps with that. But I think at the same time, there, there are kind of... It's it's hard to see... You know, there's a certain line that eventually you can cross that, you know, where you're, you're trying to be kind of too emotive maybe and actually infographics maybe aren't always the right medium for that because there are other mediums, you know, like, like video or, you know, where you really have... You know, you're, you're showing the actual people who are affected by these things or if you're using... I'm trying to think of the other examples. I mean, sometimes even even long form form writing is, is a necessary way to to really explain things. So it's it's or just photography actually. Like mm-hmm. there's there's amazing examples of photography that capture you know a picture captures <laughs> captures a thousand words or whatever. Um, so it's, I, I don't think, you know, one is at the expense of another either. So infographics, you can't do everything with, with an infographic. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do sometimes really try to push, like, how far can can we go to add kind of a human dimension to to the visual? And I think actually another example of that would be um, an infographic we produced uh, a number of years ago, like close close to the beginning of the project, uh, which was called, um, I believe, the Policy of Displacement. Um, and this one was about uh, home demolitions and uh, all we were really trying to do through that visual was was to kind of humanize or, or to give like a, a an understandable scale to, to, to a very large number which is uh, at the time that 25,000 or, or more homes uh, Palestinian homes had been destroyed by the Israelis since uh, 1967 and um, that number is actually much bigger now, but I'll, I'll just describe, you know, exactly how we tried to put that in context. Um, and basically, what we wanted to do was was to for people to understand kind of what what it looks like, what that number of destroyed homes looks like, which is, you know, the size of a, of a small town basically. It's like like destroying every single uh, home in a sm- in, in a small town or even a large town actually. And basically, what we did is we tried to sort of build up um to that number so not just to show what a what a you know a, a town looks like destroyed um but to say look okay well in the last year maybe 88 homes uh, in Jerusalem had been destroyed and displaced i can't remember maybe nearly 400 uh, uh people and then trying to build up through through other examples from you know subsets of that data um until we got to a much larger number so i think that the second one i can't remember maybe all of the homes that were destroyed in the past year and then there was all of the homes that were destroyed in operation Cast Lead in 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 gaza in was it two thousand eight two thousand nine and then building up finally to the two hundred and fifty thousand and then actually using a a quotation which is something we quite often do um, and there was a quotation from Jeff Halper of the Israeli Committee Against House Demolitions, Mm -hmm. ICAD is their their acronym. And what he was saying, what he was doing was linking, you know, originally we we talked about having a title, I think, of a policy of destruction or about destruction of homes. And he used the term, you know, a policy of displacement, that when when you're destroying people's homes on that scale and not giving them an opportunity uh, to find a place to live, Um, that really it's a policy of displacing people. Um, So that also became the title of the graphic. So it becomes a, you know, you start from the title and you then kind of finish with the quotation after kind of building up this scale. So there's this kind of storytelling process through the visual, through building up, you know, with, Basically, the visual was about this one number and then building up to that number and also talking about what that number means in terms of the number of people displayed. So there are these small elements that kind of that kind of build up to make that story.
0: I want to talk about uh, maybe the challenges uh, behind really doing infographics. Um, and tell me if you if you guys had to face these challenges. I was thinking about that because recently I read an article in BBC they were talking about during the Australian fires, the wildfires that happened there. Um, yep. There was a lot of uh, maps of Australia represent uh, being shared widely online, being supposedly representing all the fires that are going on in Australia. And uh, they were mentioned in a couple of maps in particular where they're supposed to representing the fires and they were shared widely. I think the first one was even shared by celebrities, even Rihanna, I think, shared it or something. Mm. And they were saying that the artist was after that criticized because um, the visual hit shows, so the map was very dark brown, I think, and then the the points of fires were Mm. really represented as this uh, very flary light you know points so the the basically the contrast is very strong yeah. and the type of the way that he chose to represent the fires um made things look exaggerated and yeah, yeah. and the other thing criticism i think they give him is that I don't know if that's he didn't include that information at the beginning or the information was there, but just people shared the visual without it. But people assume mm. that this represents the fires that are going on now, where in reality these are the fires that went on for throughout a month. So not today. Okay. And so he responded by yeah. saying the scale responded to the criticism according to BBC by saying the scale is a little exaggerated due to the render's glow. But it's generally true to the info from the NASA website. Also note that not all the areas are still burning, and this is a compilation. So I guess from that example, it made me think about if you guys, I don't know if you guys really face these challenges, but how challenging is it to choose, one, to not have the visual, maybe misrepresent or hinder the information. I don't know if you guys had to face these these sort of challenges or questions. And also to make sure that all the informations are there. So I guess the accuracy of the information, but also the the choice of visual that doesn't hinder or misrepresent the actual information as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I think it's a it's a very interesting uh, challenge all the time, actually, to to you know have this balance between. Um, I mean, we want to capture people's attention. We want to have something that's compelling that people can understand people can can kind of grasp the idea instantly Um, but at the same time we don't want to be uh, exaggerating of course we don't want to be sensationalist because I think that can really come back and bite you and also I I think that when I see things like that uh, shared online it kind of you don't necessarily see it as something that's accurate. You don't see it as something that's reliable. You don't see it as something that's necessarily true to the data. When you can see people have gone to certain lengths, I mean, I, I don't know this particular example, to be honest, and it's, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily, necessarily a very extreme example. But, but when you do that, you can, we're trying to build up a trust in in you know the, the work that we do and in the brand or whatever, however, however you think about it. You know, when people see Visualizing Palestine, we want people to think that this is reliable information or equally visualizing impacts, or any of the other projects you know one thing that, that we always make sure we do I mean of course we're trying to represent things you know, accurately and truthfully in terms of the, the data that we have but we also make the you know share always a link to the to the data often in the form of you know the, the raw data tables as, as we've gathered them um, so people can go they can interrogate that information they can see, you know, even if they don't look at that information, they can see that we're we're happy to provide it and that they can look at it if they want to. Um, and I think that helps us a lot. And I think, of course, we're 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 open to, to kind of criticism uh, in two different ways. Sorry, I can say, you know, we welcome criticism first of all, but secondly, you know, we're 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 kind of in the line of fire for some organisations because you know there's the big pro-Israel lobby that's that's out there that. that you know, will kind of jump on anything that, especially things that are shared a lot, that, you know, they'll try and find any kind of uh, inaccuracy or any kind of way to, to, to kind of, you know, smear, smear the work that that's uh, done that might kind of, you know, have, have a, a negative impact on, on the reputation of uh, Israel. So, you know, we, we've had that happen a, a two or three times, maybe. I mean, uh, in a way, <laughs> I feel like, you know, when our work is, is is criticized in that way, it's kind of a positive thing because it's it means it's making an impact. That, mm-hmm. you know, they think it's worth criticizing. And sometimes I wonder, you know, when our work doesn't get criticized, it means maybe it's not making enough, <laughs> it's not got enough reach, <laughs> it's not making enough impact. And, you know, interestingly, I think that the times when that happened, I think it's often around, like, for example, the issue of apartheid. Um, because we had one visual that was about showing that that people with different IDs, so whether it's a Jewish Israeli or a Palestinian with an Israeli nationality, or a Palestinian with a Jerusalem ID, or West Bank or Gaza, or um, a, a, a refugee that has no opportunity to have uh, any form of ID, and how this affects where they can travel, where they can live, um, and this one got like a, you know criticized by. Uh, CAMERA, which is the Campaign for Accuracy in Middle East Reporting, uh, which is kind of a you know, pro, pro-Zionist organization that I think was actually set up when Israel was getting bad press during the uh, 1982 invasion of Lebanon, um, and has kind of continued to, to have this kind of media monitor kind of role. And they were obviously that, they found that, you know, hit some kind of nerve and they wanted to kind of attack that that particular visual. Um, and another time, more recently, we were making a comparison between um, Israeli policies and you know policies in South Africa, um, and that one was um, criticised by a, a UK-based group uh, called Bicom, which is you know a major kind of player in in the British kind of pro-Israel lobby, and they're actually interestingly I mean I mean they came back with a kind of they, they took one of the visuals and they they kind of put lots of comments all around it about why you know this this uh, isn't you know kind of accurate information and generally it was the, the irony of it of course was that they it was a lot of what's about so they had this very kind of textual kind of explanation of uh, why uh, you know this is isn't interact isn't accurate or why you know, there's, input, there's important information missing here or why you know Palestinians are just terrorists, whereas in South Africa they were freedom fighters or these kinds of things. Um, and the irony of it is that you have this very texty kind of response to something that was very simple, and you think at that point, well, you know, if you're explaining or losing, I think this was like the Ronald Reagan thing. Um, so it was quite it was quite unusual for me to, to kind of look at something like this and think, well, you know, these guys are meant to be well-trained in propaganda, but actually... You know what they're sending is something that, that's kind of complicated. What's about you? And I don't think it's going to help really persuade anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> that their their position is is uh, you know more accurate. You know they're they're not like knocking down factors. You know being wrong. They're just trying to say no. You have to understand more things. And you have to kind of ignore this and that. And you have to add this information. And and um, you know the the simple truth that you see in front of you is is wrong. You know it's kind of this this approach. So it's very it can be quite revealing, I suppose, when, when you when you get into that, um, mm-hmm. you know, how how they look at it or how they, they you know, try their best to, to kind of reframe the work you're doing.
0: So, yeah, you mentioned um, social media a lot and getting a reaction from people, um, you know, having these infographics actually be shared. So, obviously, you guys are very aware about the context where you're sharing these infographics and you want them to get... A, get a response even in the process wheel that you guys all have on your website you have one of the stages called track impact and virality so how much you take into account social media and the the the, the ability i guess for the infographics to grab attention and be shared
1: um yeah so i i think uh, one one thing note is is that that we're tracking both online and offline use of the visuals. So Mm -hmm. whenever anyone comes to our site and and, um, requests to download visuals, we're kind of asking, you know, where and when and how they're they're planning to use uh, the visuals. And I think that's a big part of the impact that we we have is through like kind of offline, let's call them communities. Um, So whether that's on campuses or whether that's, you know, in the classroom or whether that's local solidarity groups or people kind of lobbying uh, uh, representatives so that's also a part of it but definitely you know we do pay attention to, to which of our visuals online are kind of getting more shared uh, less shared or shared on particular different kinds of platforms um and that's definitely affected the way that, that our the kinds of visuals we've produced uh, in terms of the format and the complexity of them and definitely you know, with the move towards uh, mobile devices, you know, from from when we started in 2012, relatively few people were, were, were kind of viewing social media and uh, blogs and whatever on mobile. But, you know, by today, you know, it's definitely more than half of, or how is another way to put it? I mean, a lot of people use different kinds of devices. But um, I think I've seen statistics of, you know, in the U.S., people, maybe 70% of people get uh, a major part of their news via mobile versus maybe less than 50% from desktop devices. So definitely you can see there's a, a massive increase in in, in use of uh, mobile devices and how many people are gonna be seeing the, 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 the content that we create and share through social media primarily on a mobile device. So that means you're moving towards um, maybe simpler visuals uh, or maybe moving from having one larger visual to having a series of smaller visuals or sometimes animations. So another thing to consider is uh, actually how social media platforms are changing. Um, and one of the things is that, that especially on, on a platform like Facebook and, and by extension on, on Instagram, um, you're really kind of paying for reach on those platforms. So the, the you know, what they call organic reach is, is much, much less than it was eight years ago. Um, so that the possibility of really having, you know, viral content that really gets seen by huge numbers of people is is incredibly unlikely, um, and it's kind of restricted um, by, you know, the way that algorithms have changed on these platforms. I think, you know, Twitter isn't quite so restrictive in that in that sense, but it also has a much smaller audience. Um, than the other platforms. So it's also something that we do take into account. So we're we're doing our best to build um, our own kind of um, uh, direct connection with our audience through our mailing list. And you can get to that via, I believe, um, if you go to visualizingpalestine.org forward slash subscribe, you can directly sign up and that's a much better way, you know, when we're, when we're producing new visuals to make sure you'll, you'll see those. Um, often, you know, people are asking us, you know, will we'll, we, you know, release everything that, that we, we do through platforms like Facebook. Um, but we'll have people saying, oh, I don't see your content anymore. Are you still uh, <laughs> producing? And it's like, actually, yeah, we're producing just as much or more as, <laughs> than we've ever produced. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not seeing it on Facebook because they're not showing it to you, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's that's really important to bear in mind if you're if you're working in this kind of space.
0: But you use infographics basically to kind of uh, create awareness about specific social justice issues. And you mentioned several examples how challenging it is, especially when it comes to Palestine in the West, because you're constantly also attacked and people try to undermine what you guys are trying to say. So there's a lot of misinformation and you're fighting that. Uh, so there is sort of an activist sort of... Um, Component to it. so you mentioned audience many times so do, what, what do you gu- I guess my question is one what do you guys wish really to achieve is there a specific audience you target do you target mostly sort of maybe western audience because this is where the misinformation is the most when it comes to Palestine is there a specific sort of targets you you like to focus on
1: um I mean yes we have kind of always focused on a, on a western audience and uh, maybe particularly, kind of the U.S., North America, maybe, maybe Western Europe. Uh, and I guess because our primary language has always been English, I guess that's you know, you know, the U.K., U.S.A., Canada, Australia. You know, these kinds of countries that you know pick up this stuff. At the same time, in reality, there's a lot of misinformation in in this region in in uh, the arab region you know okay in Palestine you know I guess people know plenty, although you know you, there's always you can learn more and you can have effective tools for communication to to kind of help you to to explain things but definitely, I mean if you look at you know where politics are in in the gulf uh, it's in in a pretty bad place, and I think um, there's not much space for Palestine solidarity and also in, in a country like Egypt. So I think there are, there are big problems. And I think that I think one problem is that, that maybe the, the the nature of the content might be different for some of these contexts where people innately, you know, would kind of understand that there's an injustice there. But in terms of the information that they have, it's very it's very limited. It can be inaccurate. And it, and it means that, that, you know, when. Certain countries are are, are kind of trying to normalize ties with with Israel. They don't have the kind of tools in their arsenal, the informational tools, that help them kind of challenge that and say, explain why that is so uh, dangerous in a way, in terms of realizing Palestinian rights. The other thing to mention um, in relation to this is that, you know, initially we understood our audience as this kind of general public. um, And in a sense it is, but, but what we've really realized through time is that directly, you know, our audience are are people who are trying to explain the issue of Palestine to other people, or, or actively trying to learn about it. But, you know, with social media, and also use of our content offline, what's really happening is that it's about conversations between people. So on social media, you're sharing with your friends and followers. So these are people who are actively interested in what you have to say. So if you share something that says, you know the extent of you know what's happening in Gaza, for example. These are a group of people who are a little bit more likely to actually pay attention to what you what you have to say, and we're giving them putting a, a visual tool in in their hands uh, with with data, with with accurate information, hopefully told in a compelling way that can help them to do that. And that's obviously exactly what's happening offline as well, when someone's you know printing out visuals, putting them up in. Uh, on posters, in a particular context, where they're where they're actively speaking with people and using these visuals as a tool to kind of explain better what they're what, what they're anyway trying to say. Um, so I think that we've we've kind of bet, over time we've come to better understand that that really this is how the visuals are being used.
0: You mentioned something very interesting: is that uh, your infographics are tools. Like it's not something that you guys just put online to share. So activists uh, are are using it. Uh, social justice groups are using it. Uh, Organizations yeah. maybe are using it. Independent media. So can you talk about that? Who uses your uh, your infographics? Like now that you track their usage, maybe talk mm-hmm. more about all the 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 other I guess parties that are taking your infographic as using them.
1: Yeah. So so it's a good question. I mean, I think the the biggest. Uh, place that they're being used is on, is on campuses, actually. So that's, whether that's student solidarity groups or people using them to teach in, the, in a classroom context, uh, I believe that's the biggest. We actually, we actually do share some, some information about how, how the visuals are being shared. So if you kind of scroll through our Instagram channel, for example, you will find some visuals that explain how and where uh, the, the visuals are being used. Another example is like local solidarity groups, I think I mentioned before, actually, also people lobbying political representatives, sometimes like other forms of exhibitions, which are not necessarily in a university, but might be in a, in a cultural context. I'm trying to think, I probably missed uh, one or two other kinds of, of uses, but I think that covers the, really the majority of, of uh, use cases that we've had. People will use them in slides, for example, but that's usually in a teaching context. And I was going to say one other thing is that you know through this kind of under- better understanding of how people are using visuals and this idea that that they're part of these conversations that they're used in, and people want to use them on a screen. Sometimes people want to print them small scale. People want to to share them kind of on mobile. Things like this, you know, that has affected the kinds of visuals we're producing. And, and it actually brought us to work on a project um, that we launched last September, which is called Visualizing Palestine 101. Um, and that has its own kind of sub-platform, which, is, uh, which you can reach at you know, visualizingpalestine.org forward um, slash 101. And there what we were trying to do is create a series of simple kind of quite stripped back data visuals that basically go through a series of, of themes to kind of give a, a broad explanation of, of the major issues that hopefully people should should come to understand if they want to know more about Palestine and Palestinians and kind of the political context. So so that was really driven by this this kind of understanding of the way that people are using our visuals, particularly offline. So so these things, hopefully, they're, that they're informing us to do the work that we're doing in a more effective way. And the other thing about that platform that we're trying to do is to not just provide the visuals as kind of standalone pieces of content, but trying to help uh, give a little bit of background to each of those visuals. So there's a little explanation of of each visual kind of uh, alongside the visual, but there's also a, a glossary of interconnected terms. So, to, to help people to understand uh, and maybe to reframe some of the terms that they'll uh, they 'll hear in relation to Palestine, so when you hear something like the West Bank or when you hear the Green Line or when you hear something like Zionism or apartheid we 've tried to give um, you know explanations well sourced explanations of of what these terms are, and maybe sometimes reframing you know what what they what they mean in, in relation to the to of that context. And also actually linking to other, you know, audio visuals from around the web that are already doing a great job of, of, you know, giving these kind of 101 explanations of of particular issues. So whether that's what's happening in Gaza, whether that's, you know, about Israeli settlements, whether that's even uh, something that would be very difficult to explain through infographics, like the difference between, you know, anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. So we're, we're also platform as a way to kind of curate this kind of high quality content that already exists on the web, but maybe isn't necessarily collected in a single
0: place. So I guess finally, I want to ask you, um, the, I don't know if the future of infographics is the right way to put it, but I know, for example, now more interactivity is being brought into infographics. A lot of mainstream media are using mm. interactive sort of infographics to explain specific sort of news. I, I think you guys have also interactivity with some of your projects. So can you talk about that element as well and maybe other elements that you see in the future could be included in these in, in your work?
1: Yeah, for sure. So definitely, yeah, the interactive is is something that we, we have done for some time actually or or interactive or immersive let's say where where it's not necessarily the user isn't necessarily given options but they're brought through like a a kind of a journey let's say and then we have like some platforms that are kind of let's say spin-off projects that that aren't necessarily infographic based even um like palestine open maps is, is a project that that we've we've initiated which is just actually about accessing you know historic maps of palestine in a way you know akin to google maps and other projects like that, and maybe other ones that have been through collaboration, like the Palestinian Journeys, which is a, which is a kind of history platform we worked on with uh, Palestinian Museum and the Institute for Palestine Studies. So there are those, and there are some. I think you'll find through our, our website. Uh, and another recent one would be the what's called the um, the growth of a movement. I think it's called, and it's basically about the the growth of um, BDS. Related activities around the world, based on stories that have been been published about actions that have happened, um, and that one's like a kind of uh, immerse, more immersive uh, experience. But one thing to note is is, and the reason we have continued to work on on static, uh, let's call them you know, static graphics, is that you know there's something that you can do very quickly that you can you know get an impact very quickly with those, whereas, you know, some of these other kinds of interactive platforms and the same for animations, it can be, you know, a a lot of work uh, to produce those things. And they don't necessarily make any more kind of impact in terms of how much they're shared online, or the amount that they're shared is not the kind of benefit is not as much, I guess, as the amount of time invested. So there's this kind of trade off always that that you kind of have to keep in, in your mind somewhere. And the fact that like an immersive platform, like an animation you can share directly on social media, for example, mm-hmm. um, but you can't necessarily really share an interactive through social media. So you have to kind of still have some kind of static visual that's going to explain or an animation that's going to explain what people are going to get by clicking that link. Um, and then the thing that you that they get by clicking that link has to always work on mobile and on desktop. And so there is this thing that that there's this kind of barrier to... Producing these kind of more complex and and kind of immersive uh, experiences, that you know we're always trying to balance the the kind of impact that we can make versus the the time and and you know financial investment in producing those projects.
0: With me on the phone from Beirut, Ahmad Barkley. Ahmad is an architect and environmental designer. He is presently based in Beirut. We were talking about information design. Um, and sort of the connection between information data and design or visual design and also social justice issues. Ahmed works at Visualizing Impact and Visualizing Palestine. Uh, Again, the website Visualizing Impact is visualizingimpact.org and the other website is visualizingpalestine.org. Thank you very much, Ahmed, for joining me. Do you want to mention other links that people can use as well?
1: Thank, thank you uh, for inviting me, Samson. It's It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, I can mention, in terms of other other projects, I think I mentioned uh, Visualizing Palestine 101. So that's VisualizingPalestine.org forward slash 101. You can also, uh, if you're if you're interested to kind of keep updated on what we're doing, you can always subscribe, which is you know VisualizingPalestine.org forward slash subscribe. Also, you know, you're welcome to. to if you, if you like the work we do, you know the work we do, and you want to support it, um, you can become a member also, which is visualizingpalestine.org forward slash uh, membership. So I think those are the links that come to my mind. We Obviously, I mentioned some, some other projects, but you should be able to find those uh, via the website also. Um, so thank, thank you very much for, for inviting me, and uh, um, I, hope, I hope we'll have a chance to speak again.
0: Yes, for sure. You guys, your work is really great and very interesting. So, my name is Sausan Kadura, and you are listening to Digital Sites. And that's it for us for today. Thank you very much for joining me in this new episode of Digital Sites. Make sure to join me again next month for a new episode. Digital sites airs every first Thursday of every month from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. For one hour, we cover topics and news related to digital visual arts. Also, a reminder that we have uh, a Facebook page as well. Just look for digital sites. You will find us. My name is Sausan Kadoura. I was your host for the hour. Thank you for listening.